meeting is being recorded. Let's start off with a prayer. Om Sahana Vavadu Sahano Bunatu Sahaviyam Karavavahai Tejasvina Vadhita Mastuma Vidvishavahai Om Shanti 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 So Hari Om everyone. So uh, just quickly summarizing what we discussed in the last uh, satsang. Um, totally, Bhagwan describes about uh, 12 types of uh, uh, yajna and uh, all of them finally uh, take us back to uh, 4.24, which is the famous uh, shloka, Brahmarpanam Brahmahavihi. So in the last uh, satsang, um, you know, in some, some sense, Bhagawan seems to have uh, rushed through in Shloka 28, um, a couple of, uh, couple of uh, types of yajna, which uh, he talks, of, talks as dravya yajna, which is the material uh, sacrifice, and uh, tapo yajna, which is the uh, sacrifice of, which is austerities, which is the, the austerities, then uh, uh, yoga yajna, and then Swadhyaya Yajna and Jnana Yajna. These are the five uh, things that he talks about in one shloka, all of them together. And then uh, in shloka 29, uh, he explains the techniques of pranayama as another mechanism of self-restraint. And he describes that in, uh, in detail in that particular shloka. And uh, in uh, shloka 30, he also talks about certain practices by certain other people who do, uh, you know, regulated diet and things like that. That's another thing that he talks about. Uh, then in Shloka 31 and 32, which I am uh, not 100% sure if we spent enough time uh, in the last satsang to talk about uh, Shloka 31 and 32. But basically, uh, in 31 and 32, uh, it, it kind of summarizes saying that... Uh, uh, the the people the uh, the people who do any sort of sacrifice they end up eating the remnants of the sacrifice which is basically the results the outcome of the particular sacrifice that's the shloka thirty one and I'm pretty sure we did not discuss that discuss that in detail and I would encourage us to kind of spend some time today on that and uh, uh, then it also talks about uh, thirty two uh, where again we did not discuss this where uh, it, it, it talks about the different uh, 12 types of ignyas, whatever uh, that Bhagavan has shared. And, you know, they all lead us to the Brahman, but then, you know, there's a distinction in terms of how it leads, leads to the Brahman and whether, uh, and there's also a commonality between all of them. So that's something that uh, we have to uh, discuss and discuss before we get forward to 33 to 37 today. So, uh, that that apart, you know, specifically in our satsang last week, I think we spent significant amount of time uh, trying to understand what is pranayama and why should one do it, what's the benefit. And I quickly summarizing that. So prana, prana is not uh, breath. Breath is the vehicle in which prana is there. Prana can be found in anywhere else. That's one thing we discussed. Then we said that uh, uh, prana, by doing pranayama, 
you are able to control not just the body but also the mind because they act as like a via media between body and mind that's another thing that we discussed the third thing that we discussed was uh, uh, the uh, pranayama um, doing pranayama in the right way as prescribed uh, helps helps us to gain control not just of our voluntary actions uh, at the body mind level but also involuntary actions at the body mind level so basically it con it controls the way that uh, you digest your food at one level to the extent that you know it can also digest it can also uh, control the way that we think that's the most important thing then you start diverting your thoughts to the right directions so i think we spent a significant amount of time with pranayama last uh, last uh, uh, last week so um, maybe if there are a couple of other points that we discussed in the last uh, satsang which i missed summarizing someone can please uh, summarize before we can kick off uh, this week's session Hey, Guntax, uh, wh what were you asking for? Sorry. No, no, I, I was uh, I was saying that if there were if there were any other points that I had, you know, uh, not summarized, someone can highlight the key points what we discussed in the last session, and then we can go forward. Yeah. Okay. I I don't have anything to add. I think it was pretty good. So maybe I will, I will just uh, uh, talk about uh, one thing which uh, it struck me on Sloka 31. Actually, in when I was revising uh, the last week's Shlokas to, to kind of sort of summarize for today's uh, G, uh, Satsang, kind of, kind of noticed that we had actually not discussed about 31 at all in the last uh, Satsang. And one thing that struck me big time uh, was this, uh, the second paragraph in, 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 uh, in page 317, right? It, in that when, he, when Swamiji is explaining about that shloka, he says, in this metaphor used here, when we try to find its corresponding implications in the subjective world, we must understand that the remnant that is left over to mean the result of the above mentioned 12 types of yajnas. And the result of any one of the above yajnas is, as we know, a greater amount of self-control and consequent inner integration of the individual personality. So that's the outcome. And what struck me was, you know, how do you, how does one use that greater amount of self-control and inner integration of our personality that comes in, in at a sense, um, uh, emotional mind and intellectual mind. How does one use that? In what vocation one's use that is is what is going to uh, make the difference or tilt tilt the scale in terms of the spiritual progression or otherwise. Think about it this way. The way what struck me was that if you take all the twelve except the first one, Brahmarpanam, all the other twelve um, gives us some sort of a I'm using the words loosely, some sort of a power, okay? And the power can be applied anywhere. It can be applied in our day-to-day -day work or to earn more wealth and, uh, you know, to make good to world and even to aggrandize our own self and all that. That's all we can do. 
especially if you think about it. Um, but the point, the point that Sloka Thirty-one seems to say is that you know that result, if we have to apply it in the right way in the spiritual direction, that's when we'll be able to reach towards the Brahman. That's uh, that struck me quite quite uh, significantly. And, and uh, since you're coming off the shloka um, 30, uh, 30, where it talks about uh, well-regulated diet, a gentle plug for Chaturmasa for all of you. So Chaturmasa is coming up. So um, anyone have forgotten the details or need that? No, you're welcome to reach out to me offline. Another point on uh, 31 is that uh, all those who don't do any karma using any of these 11 practices, um, they don't get the benefits of uh, this loka itself. Forget about afterlife. Because eventually it will lead to grief or any of those downfall things. Swamiji has a very funny way of saying that. He says, if it's not karma yoga, it becomes karma roga. Sorry, Krishna. Uh, I was I was asking, what do you mean by karma roga? Unmute yourself. Sorry, I uh, kept losing my cursor, so I have to I figure out unmute. Where am I? Who am I? To where am I? Uh, um, oh, roga means disease. Uh, so uh, so it becomes a disease that afflicts us. It it keeps you more in the samsara rather than relieving you from the samsara. Yeah. So it becomes yoga, boga, roga. It's like a very rhyming thing. So yoga is the right way of doing bogas, being the experiencer uh, or thinking I'm the doer and then uh, thinking I should experience, I deserve this thing. And then if you do it that way, then it becomes roga, which is a disease. Roga. Yeah. Naturally, right? If we keep uh, having alcohol or all kinds of foods, then we end up with disease at some point. That makes a lot of sense from a food standpoint. I guess even thoughts 
speech everything yeah true 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 i think yeah that's the nice thing uh, tying it back to the chaturmasa and the need for fasting they tie it both the way so one is the philosophical way of doing any karma <clears throat> if it's not done the right way then it becomes a roga but more so with the uh, food as well so it's like in hinduism generally the the quote like roughly saying that is like you eat once a day you are a yogi you eat twice a day you are already considered a bogi like a person who enjoys sensual experiences and then if you eat three times a day you are a rogi you are a diseased person just like in tamil they say that as a very uh, rhyming uh, set of proverbs yeah it looks like uh, at least i have been a maha rogi several times all of us i think all of us don't reveal all the secrets so briefly gutax uh, chaturmasa you eat what once a day is it no no what is the twice twice a day twice. Okay. Because for us we have four point three six. Okay. Four point three six talks about this. Four point three six talks about all the puppy, all the sins we have done, right? <laughs> so. Oh, all the sins. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah i'm confident everything will get burnt to ash <laughs> yeah sometime <laughs> may not be immediately but <laughs> one day <laughs> mukku are you saying something mahesh is it mahesh 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 Oh, what context? We are waiting for more points on thirty-one, thirty-two, or yeah, yeah. We can wherever. I mean, now we can kick off, and wherever we can go, right? As usual. We don't have to stick to a particular uh, sloka and then move forward. We can in in the slokas if we are discussing any any aha moment from anyone, we can pick that thread and understand that a little better. Uh, i think for all the rohis right uh, this is one of the shlokas i'm trying to look for each one but he says you know if, if you know there's always the knowledge will give you liberation doesn't matter what kind of uh, <laughs> bad spot you come from so i think this hope so <laughs> yeah that was 4.36 oh 36 okay thank you register well i'm just trying to figure out which one is that there you go muku <laughs> you're going straight for the most important one <laughs> correct yeah 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 that's all <laughs> first things first <laughs> yeah and 34 and 35 are all about uh, the guru right 
find the right guru identify who the spiritual master yeah was. yeah and uh, while reading that i was reminded of uh, uh you remember when you guys were in chennai and met one of the swamis uh, he gave uh, the uh you know the uh, f- most preferred uh, or the ideal guru and the next one and the next one right uh, three things he said somebody who is uh, knowledgeable or who has learned uh, is can be your guru even though matlab yeah the, the yeah. best option is to be have somebody who is both realized and has the knowledge of the scriptures uh the second was uh, somebody who has the knowledge of the scriptures and who can teach even though he is not realized can be a good guru that was the second uh, this thing isn't it yes that's right yeah um the first one the the uh, i guess the highest uh, guru would be the brahmanishta that means uh, he or she is already realized and like you said uh but someone who is extremely well learned and well versed in the in the scriptures and the and the vedanta they can be your guru they can still be a guru even they though they are not realized as what uh, exactly yeah. yeah yeah but here i think they kind of say guru has to be both realized and have the knowledge of the scriptures either one will not cut the this thing is what uh, it says right this uh, this shloka here yeah 4.34 4.34 yeah <laughs> but if they are realized they'll automatically know the scriptures right so no. not necessary not necessarily right and and there is one thing uh, this came up in uh, at home also with uh, some some other folks um when i when i've been traveling here a little bit um a lot of the references are he right the, the guru is also referred to as he but it can also be a she oh yeah absolutely yes yeah absolutely from the guru's point of view guru doesn't care yeah so i don't know how many of you have tried this how many of you tried actually prostrating yourself like as it says in the shloka in on page 321 in front of someone the experience of prostrating if you have not tried it observe how your mindset goes when we do it next time it'll, it'll be fun it'll reflect the attitude of what we have towards that person very very in your mind very clearly yeah we do that right i mean especially before the i mean there is a function called nandi that happens before upanayanam uh, so you have to do this 21 times and times you can't get up and again prostrate so you kneel down and then so that yeah you are right 
fact, I felt the other way around that I couldn't prostrate because there was either, you know, there's less space or, or like this thing. So I just, you know, kneeled down, but I felt as if I, because I wanted to do the Sashtang Pranam, but so I felt that in my mind, mentally, I was doing Sashtang Pranam, even though it was just kneeling down. Uh, don't they say, don't, uh, uh, Alpana, that uh, the way of the prostration for uh, men and women differs? At least in our culture, uh, men are expected to be this sastranga or, you know, fully down with all limbs and uh, uh, yeah. this thing on the floor. But uh, for women, it is only on the knees is what, uh, what I, th I think prostration is. Yeah, and that's where I said that, you know, I usually kneel down because if, if it's in public or if it's in, you know, then... Yeah, yeah that's full prostration for, for, for you. Mentally, for your... I feel I am doing Sashtam Pranam. But if I'm in a mm -hmm. temple and there's nobody, I do Sashtam Pranam. <laughs> Actually, if you do the this thing, right, uh, going around like uh, the Pradarshan, you, you will be Sashtang anyway whether you like it or not. <laughs> okay. No, I'm saying, what I'm, what I'm saying is that uh, the attitude of, the attitude that one gets when one does Shastang, uh, you know, if, if, if you really want to know how you think about the other person right in front of you, the person, when I see you, I'm using the word person carefully here, whether you do sashtang the way that the men are supposed to do, the women are supposed to do that, that's not the point. The point is, if you want to do sashtang, there's a lot of mental block that will need to go away, right? And, you know, sometimes the mind will say, no, this person does not deserve my sashtang. It will say that. That's what I'm saying. I'm asking you to think about that. Hmm. But Guntax, I think that a lot of people will do sashtang, uh, you know, will prostrate before people, even if they, let's say, they may not fully respect that person because they just have, to, they're just going with the motion, you know, going through the motion kind of thing. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I have done it. That's why I'm saying. No, no, <laughs> I, 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 I get it. What I'm saying is that I'm talking about, uh, you know, the set of individuals who have gotten a little sensitized to, you know, why this has to be done and, you know, what's the purpose behind it. For us, when you look at that aspect of Sashtang, it, then it, it makes a lot more sense because then it's a reflection of our own mind saying that, okay, hey, this is attitude about, I have towards this person. Yes. Absolutely. Like when we were with Swami G, uh, myself, Ajay, VP, and Krishna, um, you know, and and I, I do remember this, like, and, and uh, even when we met with Swami P, we, uh, we kind of did the prostration, but also uh, touched the Swami G's feet and sought, uh, you know, asked for his blessings kind of thing. Yeah, even Dandavat Pranam is actually, it benefits the Shishya only. It doesn't do anything to the Guru. It is for your own benefit, actually. And that's what I think Rajesh was yes. reading. Yeah. Hmm. And 
and it's interesting in the sometimes you'll not have any questions for people like swamiji said you go meet them zero questions <laughs> they just dissolve right uh, i have experienced it so many times i while i'm preparing to attend a session with one of these enlightened masters i come up with so many brilliant doubts but as soon as we go in front of them they just dissolve and disappear and it just it, it just doesn't come out at all you you don't even know what you wanted to, what you prepared to ask. it's almost uh, funny you know that uh, they just uh, disappear like that in front of them yeah agree totally there there just is that is for our level of communication correct in fact uh, one of the uh, i was looking at uh, um this slokan uh, masters right uh, one thing kind of one of the aha moments there was um, it not only says you go and like you know the way bhagwan says here is learn from the master a spiritual teacher but also like he also says how to interact right it's very very subtle there and inquire with a sense of reverence and also render service right so basically it's uh, because you know learning from um, uh, i mean at least based on at least uh, my experiences learning from a spiritual master is not very intellectual learning right it's almost like it's a transmission of a, i mean he transmits something which is beyond the mind uh so a lot of that happens when you are doing service and a lot of the times uh, doubts will come right because because he's go, the master will always play with your ego uh, he will touch your ego and then you're going to run away right you tend to run away so that sense of reverence right that sense that he is the guru it's very important uh, bhava uh, to survive around a master otherwise easily one can run away from them Uh, so that is very beautiful to see you know bhagwan very subtly laid that out in the same shloka so that is just my my aha moment for me so agreed muku i don't have a question but i have an observation in 4.34 you know as is there in gita in several shlokas if you scratch the surface then there is definitely some contradiction for example he is saying prostrate and the definition of doing you know prostrate is that you know you are doing becoming meek surrender he is using words like surrender submission meek right and then he also goes on to explain service seva seva ka matlab yahi hai that you know do as the guru has told you to do that is the biggest seva right and then in between there is this shloka on questions and he doesn't use the word question he uses the word doubts whereas in several places in gita it is written very clearly that you know doubt is destruction basically sanshay is patan so you know i'm just saying that on if you see on one hand you know and you can relate it with the you know cultures where we work in different type of setups you know at least i work with little bit with some americans and some japanese some indians you know so one is meek submission surrender you know gurudev jo aap keh rahe ho bahut acha hai main aap hi ke bataye hue mark pe chalunga etc etc and then you also have this you know raising doubts 
to the teacher you know we are opening the system of knowledge and he's also saying that you know it uses the word doubt again and uh, you know doubt is different from query so he's chosen the word doubt doubt is basically doubt right boss is sahi hai ki nahi hai isme kya garbad hai you know so i'm just saying that you know on the surface it may look contradictory you know on one hand submission me surrender ye jo bataya gaya kar lo the other hand you are saying look buddy it's very important to have doubts raise your questions etc so i mean the way you know so i'm just trying to give a comment here not as a question so one hand it looks very contradictory but i think this is the whole beauty of our scriptures and gita that if you go deep isko kaise how will you reconcile you know this difference between the two you know one hand you are okay it's like mandated to raise doubts and on the other hand you are supposed to be meek and surrender so i mean anybody has any comments then i can share my thought how i have reconciled it in my head actually it's a beautiful observation uh, rajiv right the in fact one of the earlier uh, shlokas in chapter 4 where uh, bhagwan says i was with we was one then i i was taught with manu you know the whole series where he says i gave the signs of enlightenment to sun god etc right uh, then arjuna the shloka right after that right uh, arjuna says um, you you were born with me right literally is that's a doubt right you and i were a few years apart right we are cousins uh, you know one way to say hey bro kya kya baat kar rahe right don't spin these things right that's one way that question could have been asked but if you really beautifully see that shloka uh, arjuna says help me understand right so which means he is not questioning the the statement of bhagwan he is saying help me to understand right i think this is a very beautiful bhava with the guru actually uh, you know a lot of us i think coming this generation because when you and when my met my guru initially a lot of arrogance will be there in questioning right uh, never understood this aspect of that right and he will patiently answer the question that is different but then over years i understood that pretty much most of the time whatever he says uh, um, is a, is truth right however however my mind may not able to grasp it or not so the question is really going with the uh, with the attitude to seek the understanding right why why is he saying that versus saying hey you are making a tall claim it just is all just is just completely logical it does, i don't i don't understand is one attitude and questioning and challenging i think that is vitarka uh, kutarka right so basically your your disbelief but i think the whole attitude is with it's okay to have doubts okay to have questions okay to disagree but always that understanding is help me understand right i think that is the i mean i really love that sloka and how arjuna asked and i think to me that the difference that you are saying is is uh, that could be a good example of the the bhava with the guru no this that's that's a perspective so that's that's a good good perspective gundan anybody else has anything then so how do you reconcile these two things yeah. or are, is, is anybody else see any contradiction at all no i don't see any contradiction i'll tell you why the way that yeah. i have seen seen this uh, is that uh, you know actually even in even in uh, if you look at two let's say uh, two people uh, quote and quote with scientific vigor uh, uh, presenting a case presenting a paper and the other one trying to uh, listen to what the person is doing 
actually, if you look at it, most of the questions will come from the audience or from, from wherever it is, only when they don't understand. But then the questions will end up coming, uh, coming to either to disprove what the other person is saying or to clarify what they don't know themselves. So, you know, as a speaker, if that person is able to um, understand that this person is trying to clarify something in his own mind, then that person will answer it in a particular way. If the person is trying to argue, you know, that you'll see that happening in our uh, WhatsApp groups also, then the person will answer in a different way. Okay. So uh, I think what Muku with this beautiful example of uh, Bhagwan Krishna and uh, Vivaswan and uh, Arjuna's story is trying to say is that, you know, okay, are you trying to argue or are you trying to unlock the ignorance in your own mind? That's the difference. So, Wait, so yeah, yeah, please yeah. go ahead. So Rajiv, the way I... I mean, for me, the way I saw it is more having the faith in the guru to take you to the right place, just like a GPS. You know, when I put in the directions, I know it's going to take me to my destination. If I get somewhere lost, it's going to bring me back. So it's having that complete faith that it's going to, and maybe GPS is not a good example, but it's the faith when I say surrender, it's not I'm meek or I'm giving in. So I didn't take it that way. Ranjani, that's a beautiful example. I always relate with my guru as a GPS because, you know, sometimes, you know, I, over the years, you know, I, I, I disobey him. <laughs> Just knowing, knowing sometimes the GPS will say, turn right, you don't. Right? Yeah. Don't and, you, you know, know you so, question I, sometimes, you have multiple routes, you have everything going on, but you know, in the end, if you get somewhere, it's going to bring you back and eventually you'll end up in the right place. Correct. And then, and you and you kind of take those turns, or even even if you decide to take a different turn, you you know the confidence that Guru is the GPS will get you back, right? So that's exactly how we relate with. Uh, it's just funny you say it. That's how I I relate with many times is as a GPS. So it's a good good example, good way to. I, I can relate with that. Right. So I I think I agree. So my perspective was also similar. You know that. If you, you know, how do you reconcile? I'm just repeat, repeating this part of being meek and submitting to doubting. I think, uh, I think all of you, whatever you said, I think that's uh, my take also that as long as you have this much faith in the master that the answers will be given, it is your, you know, inability to understand or you're not read, you're not reach, uh, reach that level. You know, if you are asking the questions from that space, and I will eventually understand, you know, versus is he capable of giving me the answer? Are the scriptures true itself? Is this guru capable? You know, I think if you are depending from which place you are asking the doubt, you know, I think that's how I see it. That's why the, you know, that prostrate, you know, doing whatever you what you physically after Rosco. Yeah, you know, mentally karo. I think having that minimum faith that this guy is equipped to give the answers and the answers exist and I will eventually get there, you know, changes the way you are processing the answers that you are getting because your receptivity level will be different. And also, you know, I mean, at the energy level, I think he says it very clearly that the guru is also able to see the which space you are coming from and asking the questions, right? 
he is also able to see the level of darkness and ignorance in you and then navigating your path so i think that's how i just thought maybe it's worth just triggering this discussion that you know meekness and uska matlab sirf itna hi faith rakhne ka hai ki yaar boss answer mil jayega and mujhe samajh nahi aa raha it doesn't mean that the scripture is wrong or the guru is incapable because once you start from that space i'm not saying that it's a you know it's a very bad space to have sometimes somebody may say no it's okay but i just think that if you start from that space then whatever was the potential to get out of the guru that you will be depriving yourself you know so that's i that's i just thought you know i'll add my perspective to how to reconcile these two and i i think that it's also the student has to have faith in himself or herself that i will understand it you know i at some point so if i stick with it i will get there yeah and i think uh, at least uh, one one additional comment i'll give there is see the faith um see faith is little little bit deeper right i'm at least my what i saw my earlier days i did not have uh, i mean the, my the relationship with my guru did not start with faith right at least where i recall right because i had doubts um just just mind right not not doubts on the guru or anything just just overall hey can this possible a lot of doubts lo- logic science background right so faith definitely was not not a primary part when it interacted so he answered everything patiently and then then the the evolution of faith happened but when it, the journey started definitely it was a lot of um, doubts right and zero i mean, i would not say i i implicitly trusted him let me put it that way right it was just doubts just questioning but the way the questions were answered is when you started the being starts to fall in love with the with the guru right so at least definitely i did not start with the implicit faith but what is more important i mean reflecting just your comment now is uh, this the openness to learn is more important because i was not prejudiced in the conclusion right i did not say this science will not work or the gurus are all bad even though i had had one of that stream of thought uh, you know was you know all this is this all going to work with a lot of con men etc 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 that is that is one undercurrent thought but i did not uh, close the possibility that this is impossible right if you look at a lot of people have already concluded right that it, it's concluded that hey this this is bad right hinduism is bad gurus are bad right i think as long as the conclusion is not there the guru can still work with you to open create a space of trust right that will happen but if you are concluded that this is not my cup of tea and then you are just sitting there and like i think rajesh said beautifully trying to disprove him right uh, then it's not going to work i think that to me that's how the it's okay not if faith was not implicit in my case but the openness to the idea of the possibility was very important because then when he answered i could connect the dots yeah it is possible yeah it is possible and then it opened up the possibility for the relationship to blossom there uh, that's at least how my experience was because i did definitely not start with faith no there is zero you're a gentle plug gentle plug for gun's upcoming book it's called om open mind oh nice mm. nice can i can i just add to that mukundan what you just said was was so beautifully explained i was trying to find words when i was listening to the earlier comments 
because for me, I had exactly the same journey. I did not start with faith. I probably started as a cynic from there to a doubter to open and curious mind to say, okay, what, what could this be? You know, there are so many people who are talking about this, who swear by it, who are like getting so much out of it. There has to be something more to it. And when you go in with the openness of mind to say, what is it all about? And just try to understand. Um, and the phrase that comes to mind is, you know, we've all heard uh, is that the, when the student is ready, the teacher arrives, uh, the rest of it just sort of starts falling into place for some people. And it takes different journey types for different people. But again, um, faith, and I think this is where my, my understanding is some people are just, whether that is a blessing or not, that's a different conversation altogether. They, they just have that implicit faith from when they are born or when from the rituals that they have grown up with or from where they come from. And some of us, I'll definitely include myself in there, too much logic, too much analysis, too much science brain and saying, why, 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 why? And uh, you know, not wanting to, to go to something which I cannot see and um, understand for myself. So faith comes a lot later for me, faith is, is a lot, lot later, but the openness, curiosity, and then to say, there is a possibility here. What is it? Uh, and, and that I, I use the word query there all the time. And respect, right? Respect is very important because you've got to think about whoever the other side is. And that, that's where this whole on men um, aspect is, is a little unnerving. But there you go. Beautifully said that. In fact, I'm just remembering how arrogant I was when I met my guru early days. I'll go, I once I told him, I, you should do one of those with me to, to check my spiritual progress. <laughs> Periodic one of again, I missed. I did not hear you. Well. <laughs> he laughed. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. But oh, yeah. Can you say that again? No, no, I just told him, I mean, I just remember how arrogant I was early days, you know, and I told him once, so I mean, you should do periodic one-on-ones with me on spiritual progress. <laughs> he just laughed. No, they, they, they have infinite compassion, I can tell you that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hey, the other thing I, I got reminded when you were uh, talking, Mukund, and, uh, and also Nivedita, when, when you were saying the same thing, uh, was uh, Sarvapriyanandaji's uh, comment on, on the same topic uh, with the Guru. And he, he talked about, I don't know where, it, maybe it was in the Delhi lecture, I think. Um, he was talking about uh, people uh, from the scientific, with the scientific mindset, trying to question everything. But there was, um, he had a debate with a scientist um, who I happen to, I personally happen to respect very highly. And, and he said that scientists uh, very respectfully told him that, hey, you are taking one direction of thinking based on scriptures and the teaching and the Vedanta. Um, 
I am also trying to do the same thing. Maybe it is a different route, um, different approach, and the thinking is a little different. We are trying to apply logic and science and everything to, but we are both trying to go after the same thing. Um, we are also cu very curious to understand reality better and better and better. Maybe there will be a, uh, a meeting point somewhere, but but I thought that was very interesting. As long as, again, this openness is there to either cross over from science to Vedanta or, or vice versa. So Muku, I have a comment on what you said about one-on-one -on -one time with the guru. So I was listening to some lecture, I, I can't remember which Swami, I think it was up, Swami Aparajitananda, but he was saying that, um, you know, back to Nivedita's comment that the guru will come to you, you know, whenever uh, it's a time you don't have to go out and seek. So that was one he said. And then he said, you really need to spend one-on-one -on -one time with the guru or get like personal time to get to know the guru. Because, you know, one thing you have to see how the guru lives and you, you learn a lot by just seeing how they conduct themselves in everyday life and some things don't come through through lectures and whatever it is you just need to observe them so you need to get to know them one-on-one -on -one. but at the same time the guru needs to see you one-on-one -on -one too to tailor the answers and everything to you specifically whatever doubts you have so i think in you know i listen to a lot of lectures but i've not found the right guru that i can spend one-on-one -on -one time with that can you know so it's is that that's a harder road uh, i think for personally. So I know some of you have found that and you are able to do that, but just, just an observation. I mean, I definitely think you need to spend one-on-one -on -one time with the guru um, as you have doubts so that they can tailor it to you specifically. Yeah, I agree. agree totally there. In fact, uh, what uh, my comment was around one-on-one -on -one, you know, in corporate America, you have, you meet with your manager one-on-one, -on -one, right? Yeah. By that time, by that, when I, when, even when at the time I asked the question, I had spent a lot of time with them, right? Because yeah. My journey was I started with definitely not faith, right? So I had a lot of doubts in the whole. I mean, I, I, I was open, but not, but you know, I spent a lot of time. He clarified a lot of questions. So it, it was a couple of years of just falling in love with the Guru. Yeah. Uh, and then you're fortunate. You're, you and some others that have actually spent time with your Gurus are like Correct. fortunate to <laughs> get that. So totally, yeah. And then I asked him this question like corporate America, like, you know, you should every maybe a month or once in three months you should meet with me you know set up a time and meet with me that was the that was the context yeah, so. yeah but but yeah, but ranjani i mean a couple of couple of uh, comments right you know uh, my experience is slightly contrary contrary yes i have spent one-on-one -on -one time with my guru but i've hardly spoken to him you know it's, there's no point <laughs> it, because like you know like i said sometime back right you know, so, most of the doubts just vanish in this presence so what happens you know there are no questions to to answer. That's an, that's one one aspect. The second second aspect is uh, you know um, my guru was saying this. He says that guru is not a person actually. Okay, guru is a principle, right? And you know yeah, I we listen to a lot of lectures and you know Sarvapiyananda and all all the things. Why are we not? Uh, what is stopping us? This is a rhetoric question. No need for an answer. What is stopping us from quote unquote accepting one of them as a guru, or even experimenting in accepting one of them as a, as a guru? That's a question that we need to ask ourselves, right? 
I think it is a phenomenal question, Luntax. Um, I like the experimenting part, definitely. Because uh, th this is one thing, right? In, in all our debates and like back and forths that we have, um, we have to be willing to go and meet a guru. L like, uh, I think Alpana and Manu, you you all did that, right? You went and spent some time with Sarvapriya and the G, and that was that was awesome. And you'll you'll kind of quickly get to understand uh, the guru. But Guntax, the when you say the guru is a principle, I find it very hard to <laughs> imagine. Uh, when uh, as soon as you say guru, right? It, immediately it's a person. It's like you know, uh, we we go and we spend several, I'm thinking like the ancient times, you spend several years with the guru, you actually live with the guru and like what Ranjini was saying, you, you get to see the guru in action, like not just talk, but in action. And, no, but then, and, but then your definition, your definition of uh, a person is gen, then it's a physical body, but that's not correct. Actually, that's the way I took the lecture that I listened to to say, is to say that it's not enough. So to me, I listened to a lot of lectures by SP, Swami SPG and Swami P and all of that. And I, I consider them in a way to be a, my guru, uh, the way I look at it. But that particular lecture by Swami Aparajitananda said that, you know, you really need to know your guru as a person, not just, you know, and they need to know you and you need to see how they live their daily life. They need to know you as a person to tailor all their answers to you, whatever doubts you may have. So that was like going back to the old days where you would live in an ashram mm. and actually know your guru and they would know mm. you, you know. So I was a little conflicted there because I don't have any such person that I can actually one-on-one <laughs> -on -one, uh, go back to. And, and perhaps that's when you can sort of raise your doubts and ask the questions because from what I heard, you know, Rajesh, you were saying that it, the questions disappear when you're in front of them. So you need to get to uh, that level of familiarity with them perhaps where, you know, the questions do arise and you are able to articulate and, and get the answers. And, and maybe it's also like the, they need to make it more comfortable for you. Like, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> uh, somebody just mentioned about, you know, Alpna and I meeting uh, Swami SPG and I, I felt like, you know, going into it, I did feel like, oh my gosh, you know, how can we talk to him? What would I say to him kind of thing? But he made it very comfortable for us to have a conversation with him. So... Um, so maybe it's, you know, both ways. The, we need to, uh, in some ways, you know, know them well enough. And, and I mean, for us, it was just the first meeting. So I wouldn't say that was the case with us. But uh, for, for us, I think it was more that he made us feel comfortable. But um, I think in general, we probably need to spend the time and become more familiar with them. They become more familiar with us. And then we can ask questions in a, you know, we're not threatened or we're not overwhelmed and we can actually articulate um, what our doubts are. 
You know, Manu, uh, when we went to meet Swami Ji, it was an overwhelming feeling. That was the first time. I mean, we all, at least me, I've, I had listened to a lot of his lectures by that time. This was back in February when, when the four of us went. Um, but like 30 seconds into it or something, there was, there was like total silence and Swami Ji did not do anything to make us feel comfortable. But then I think Ajay or me or one of us asked a question. And then that's it. It was like a, we just opened a champagne bottle. Then everybody <laughs> felt very comfortable. He was talking in English all the time. And uh, to make us, actually, then he made us feel very comfortable. Because, you know, Ajay and VP obviously could not understand Tamil. And, um, and then we didn't even know that. Two hours went by and we were going back and forth with them. It was just an amazing, but it it, it did take that initial yeah. you know minute or so. A couple of things from my experience. Actually, Swami SPG, if you ask him, he will always say he he's not a guru, he's an acharya. So he's more of a teacher. And I think the way he differentiates is, yeah, I think what we've been saying that with a guru guru understands you and then guides you based upon what you need whereas uh, swami spg will answer based upon the scriptures you know any question you ask he'll give you a scriptural answer mm. uh, so that's a little bit of difference between acharya and guru and he wouldn't even give you mantra diksha so any initiation so in ramakrishna mission you can get uh, mantra diksha and they will become your guru. And then there is a sannyas guru who will give you a sannyas if you take it at any point in time. So, so those are different types of gurus or acharya. Acharya will teach you. Uh, so there are many pundits from whom you can go and learn the scriptures. Um, so that's more of the understanding. A little bit on guru. Yeah, I am fortunate to have a guru in a person. But um, in this lineage also, there are some books. I think VP is not here. He might otherwise uh, share as well. Um, so in this lineage, there was a guru and Shishya, Shivam Tirthji and his guru, Vishnu Tirthji. And uh, Shivam Tirthji, yeah, he lived with him so that they both understand. But at every point, Vishnu Tirthji would tell him, that you need to find that guru tattva don't relate to me as a guru it is the guru tattva which has been coming from lineage so it's not even me it is the tattva and that the way to understand that tattva is actually even gita can become your guru and it'll start speaking to you it will give you the answers when you need it uh, it could be even strong faith or reverence in any of the deities, they can become your guru. Like Kali was guru for Sri Ramakrishna Paramhans. She came and gave all the answers. So you can get the answers. Um, but yes, that does need a lot more surrender than I think what we are ready to offer at this point in time. Uh, so that surrender is required. And faith has uh, uh, typically three, three components, main components. Uh, one is, yes, you can say reference or you can say uh, in bhakti, prem, preeti, you know, those are the you know, words used for 
that's one component of faith the second is you need to have absolute uh, conviction in the capability of that person or deity or that scripture uh, and then the third thing is that it is the uh, shreshd it is the supreme and that is where i think that tatva makes guru tatva makes more sense because as a person if you live with them you will see certain things that you know he will behave based upon his conditioning and they will appear to be very ordinary yet you distinguish the guru tatva in the person and the person so you need to have that supremeness feeling in that either guru tatva or the scripture or the deity so those three things combined form actually the faith that we talk about and i would actually think that who you know both nivedita and who said that i think they did have some level of faith otherwise they wouldn't have gone though i agree it went from being a cynic to a doubter to a uh, you know open of openness of mind but to begin with you need to have faith um, i think i had given this example in the last class also we actually have a lot more faith than we think even when we do a transaction with a shopkeeper you know we give the money first before getting the things or he gives us the things before getting the money so there is an element of faith between the two that the transaction will happen it's not that we okay ek hath se paisa lo aur ek hath se mere ko saman do we never do that with any of the shopkeepers so we have this this element of faith in actually every little thing we do in in society and and even in the in this universe uh, so same thing is we do start with but those are the three qualities if we come to then we'll realize the the guru tatva in the guru and talking about i think initially definitely it helps to spend some time there so that they understand what sort of uh, uh, teaching will help us you know if we are more logical then we need to we need to be given you know appropriate examples to be explained so so to have that sort of understanding i think you do need little bit of initial this thing but still it works with the books and the deities they know it as well so uh, those were my thoughts from my experience and some of the people i have spoken to well said alpana and the classic case of swami vivekananda some of aspects of his lifestyle will not be liked by many people he was a big cigar smoker for example uh one one thing i want to add on the guru principle uh, there is a story of uh, dattatreya and it said that he came down and he uh, didn't have guru in the traditional form so guru principle so there is a page i'll share the page after session is over but he has 24 gurus so he just walks around and observes he learns something from the earth something from the sun something from the bee the moon sun and from everything he learns uh, one principle so there is a the guru principle part uh, but on to your note ranjini i might sound like a broken record repeating but keep at it you will definitely uh, find the guru as swami paramatananda ji told us uh, bhagwan has a, a obligation it's a promise that you will have a guru if you ask so he says it's the universal law that the bee will find the flower so we are the flowers we just make ourselves bloom and be ready and available the guru will find you that's that's a universal law and bhagwan's uh, promise
Wow. And then lastly, it's the it's the last one that I think he said. So I have met him only twice, once for about 20 minutes and another time for one hour. But I completely, uh, even though there is no customized, uh, like Guru, more like he's uh, actually Acharya, I kind of consider Guru and almost synonymously say Swamiji. And I kind of hope that all of you get that I'm mentioning to Swami Paramatanandaji. It's, it's the reason that uh, what he said, he said, my teaching is not going to change that much based on who you are when you ask, but it is your Shishya Bhavana, how much you accept me as a guru, how much value you give to this teaching that is more important than who is teaching it. So the, the more respect you have for the guru and for the particular scriptures and the lesson you are getting, that Shishya Bhavana is way more important than, uh, than actually the other way, like the guru anointing you and said, from now on you are my disciple, come on over and the, the traditional uh, traditional way so that that really appealed to me and that like that moment was the flip switch oh here is this guru i am done searching is done uh so at least for me like so yeah thanks krishna yeah the other element is i have faith that the you know again um i consider all of them to some extent you know i listen i don't know that i've narrowed on one <laughs> like you have but i do listen and i have the faith that it will come to me at the right yeah, moment yeah. so just adding to what Krishna. Sure it will happen. For sure it will happen. Because I think, like well said Krishna, right? The once you're ready, he just appears. It's not you can never you can never pick your guru. It, it needs to happen from the other way around. <clears throat> just adding to what Krishna said, yes, definitely after meeting Swami P, um, you know, the way he said you you don't need to search for Guru. It's it's some of them are already there and and that's when it clicked, you know, you can, you know, when, when I'm studying something with you all, you all are my guru. When I'm studying something with my mother, she's my guru. When I'm studying myself, like self-study, at that time for me, it, it's the God that I believe in is my guru. So it's, it's amazing when he said that, it just dawned on me that I don't have to really search. But of course, it'll be nice to have a... a, a, a a dedicated guru, but I think like how he, Krishna said about the Trateya, you know, you can have 24 gurus um, and still, you know, move towards the path of liberation. So that brings me to another part of uh, the shlokas that we are reading, right? So what are we actually searching for? When you're searching for a guru or anybody, I mean, it's again a rhetoric question, but uh, nevertheless, I would encourage us to think about it. Well, from um, how, you know, when we met uh, Swami P, after that, I, I feel that we are not searching, at least I'm not searching for uh, something in Guru. I'm just searching how to be, how to come to that place where uh, I have liberation, right? So, I think that's the goal. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I'm not searching for a particular thing in Guru. Yeah, because you know, if you look, if you if you look at the slokas, what we've been reading the last uh, couple of satsangs, it's all talks about everything culminates in knowledge. Knowledge about what? And so that is chapter two itself. Bhagwan has told who we are. So we already have the knowledge. So what are we searching for? Again, rhetoric question. And deliberately asking the way that I'm asking. Rajesh, I think we are searching for uh, self, but 
you know, it's difficult to get there. Uh, if you see in this chapter itself, Bhagwan gives so many ways to do tapasya, right? Um, and it's it's and how he gives an example, like we can we can uh, how the river flows down, the knowledge can you know suddenly go down nature, right? We we are looking at a place where we are going higher up, and I think that's what we are looking for, so that we can ultimately come to a place where we we understand that particular knowledge and we are liberated. So the constant thing that at least I'm looking for is how to be at the higher thinking level at that, you know, keep, keep going higher thinking, not uh, flow down. <laughs> That's what I would say. So the key, key word from Vidya, what you said is how, not what for me. Yeah, exactly. How. So Correct. you know what, what it is, but you don't, but you don't know how, or you probably need a little bit more conviction on the how, right? Correct. Correct. And the conviction plus, uh, even if you have the conviction, it just takes one second to <laughs> go down, right? Correct. You forget that, that, that one second. And unless you are in satsang or reading or have a constant guru uh, in whatever you see, you cannot sustain to be in that higher level. And for that sustainability is where we need. We need Correct. that guru. Correct. That, that's that's the point. The point, what I'm saying is that, you know, all of us, at least in this particular uh, uh, Gita Satsang, all of us know what the goal is, but the problem is how. And we are looking for, quote unquote, ways that we can actually, you know, move from where we are to where we want want to go. And that's that's the path that we want somebody to guide us, right? It's not like A plus B whole square equal A square plus B square plus 2AB. And somebody says that and goes away and then we know, okay, now that knowledge is there. But we don't have to become that. But in order for us to become that in this path, we have to have that, you know, conviction and uh, ability to change ourselves. That's what we're looking for. What is the ideal way of changing ourselves? I really liked how Alpana said, you know, that tattva, that that's what we need to see as guru and Every time I'm speaking to any one of you, um, even when, when I'm meeting for dinner or something, there's one element or one topic that will come up and the whole night and the day later on, I'm th thinking of, you know, how can I go to that higher level? I think that's, that's what for me really works. Um, I'll just give an example. I met VP, but he talked about just for two, three minutes he talked about um, Alpana's guru and for some reason that's just stuck in me then everything that I ate <laughs> and spoke other things but 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 the but the thing about that guru him talking uh, made me think like how such a great person he should be just just that two minutes but that made me think that you know I must you know read some more scriptures I must try to meet more people like him or Swami SPG, you know, that's what is more important to me uh, to go to that higher plane. Mahesh, you were saying something, I interrupted you. Yeah, in fact, uh, adding to what it is, yesterday I was speaking to someone and we were discussing uh, on uh, his recruitment. So I asked him, do you believe in himself? 
I mean, how do you get success in life? He says, believing in yourself. Then I asked him, do you really believe yourself? So he says, God only knows. So what I want to say is, we talk, I mean, I mean, we talk, I mean, one thing and we feel one thing. So, I mean, we know what we are in chapter two, but we are not living what it is uh, to be in the same exact. I just gave an example of exactly the same thing. And normal thing is this, this is the thing. So, I mean, we assume that we should go to that place. No, I mean, the fact of the matter is we know that we are this. But what we have is a baggage. We have to eliminate the baggage and go there. Okay. I mean, it is, we are already that. We have to eliminate the identity of the, it is not going up. I mean, this is what my feeling is. I may be totally wrong in this, but it is a baggage which we have right now to eliminate it and go. I mean, you call it going there or you call it leaving this uh, is something that, that was one thing which I wanted to share. Second thing was, I mean, a student, if it is, is uh, Guru will automatically come. For example, Vivekananda, Krishna had uh, mentioned, fact is Vivekananda wanted to become a disciple of Pavahari Baba. I don't know how many people had known this. It is there in the Wikipedia as well. He wanted to become a student of Pavahari Baba and he met him in the cave. He was there. And suddenly Ramakrishna came in the dream and said, you are my student, you are not his student. In two days, he couldn't, he couldn't, he, I mean, he was not initiated. Something, a story like that, very interesting story is there. So what I want to say is when I, I personally believe when the student is sincere and uh, he wishes to go ahead in the path, the guru will come. But his thing has to be very clear and determined. That is what I thought I should have. Well said, Mahesh. Uday? Yeah. Hey, uh, so you had two questions. One was about what are we looking for? What is the knowledge uh, we are looking for? It is already known, right? That's true. Uh, everything eventually has the same truth um, uh, that we already know. Then what is it that we are aiming for? It is the realization, right? One is the theoretical knowledge, I guess, is what we have. But the realization of that truth is what we are aspiring to have in uh, through this journey and that's all uh, spiritual that is what spirituality is about is what my understanding of this whole thing is because we already know there's only one truth and we have read it so many times in so many different forms but the realization and experiencing that reality the truth is what we are aspiring to achieve that was my answer to that question. The second one you asked about guru, uh, just saying, what are we looking for in a guru perhaps? And what kind of a guru are you searching for? What are you waiting for? What is it that you're... I feel it's all within me. I too don't, do not have a guru uh, or do not uh, have a living guru that I consider or who has accepted me or given Diksha to. Uh, but I have met and interacted with a number of uh, enlightened masters. Uh, I think it is me or the surrender or, um, you know, my willingness to give up and, you know, get into that path that is holding me back from accepting or taking on a guru. I don't think it is about finding the right 
yeah, maybe, you know, when I'm ready, like, you're, like all of you say, when I'm ready, that guru may appear in my life, but I feel it is in me about my willingness to start the journey in a rigorous manner, uh, right? Uh, giving up whatever uh, I am pursuing in uh, my uh, life, right? So that, that is where I feel about the guru question. Thought I'll share those two aspects with you. Beautifully said. Can I, can I just come in? Um, Rajesh, I, I wanted to just try answering your first question, which was quite, quite provocative, very rightly so. Um, for, for me, um, uh, Swami SPG's uh, example comes to mind where you see the rope and you think it is a snake. And to me, the way I think about it, and uh, Uday, you explained it uh, very, um, very beautifully. To me, it is, I now have been told that it is not a snake, it is a rope. And I'm reminding myself all the time that it is not a snake, it's a rope. But every time I see it, a shiver runs down my spine and I immediately think, oh my God, I saw a snake. And then I remind myself, oh no, no, it's not the snake, it is a rope. And what that is doing is, I know what it is meant to be, but I am not able to live and experience the life that way which is why anytime an external trigger happens it shakes me it shakes my mind it shakes my thought process and I get unsettled so what am I looking for I'm looking for a realization which would translate that when the when the next time I see the rope there is no trigger working that it is a snake the thought doesn't even come anymore because it's internalized and any external trigger then cannot shake me anymore because then I am, um, you know, the frequency of the shaking doesn't happen and um, the duration of the unsettled state keeps reducing. So, so to me, that is the gradual path to, um, you know, I, I call it a settled state in my mind uh, and that, that could be liberation. And, and to me, the ways of getting there, this is a way to get there. Just to spend time with the right company, thinking and putting your mind into those kind of activities. So that's my humble uh, contribution to the topic. Well said. Well said. Awesome. The loud, loud the way you said it, right? I think it's, uh, it's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry for deliberately, you know, uh, posing the question in a provocative way because there's something pretty important for us to really, really understand that. Yeah, and you know, one, one, one thing around Nivedita's comment, right? So the again going back because a lot of times the the, the interactions, the teachings of a guru, right? Eventually, slowly, I mean, as you kind of interact the the science itself, right? Like the answer is clear, right? Oh, you are Brahman, that's answer is clear. But to get to that as an experience, there'll, there'll be a lot of um, strong beliefs that we need to give up, right? Including the belief that I'm the male or the female, I'm the body, I'm a country, I'm a spouse, right? I mean, all of these are conditioning, father, mother, um, whatever, right? All these conditioning needs to drop. And, and um, for that, journey to happen uh, 
the handholding i mean as 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 it kind of gets into a little bit you know kind of gray right where things are where your your logic needs to be shattered or your logic is so strongly conditioned uh, I, i think the guru handholding and taking you to that's that kind of an area where way beyond your comfort zone is very important i mean that to me is at least my experience the, a lot of the you know where the some of the deeper truths right uh, to the point you know where you see a snake you don't shake where you see a rope you don't snake but the ultimate reality is there's neither snake or rope right so to to go to take the jump from from you know there is a snake there is a rope a kind of a cognition to a deeper reality subtler reality neither there is snake there's no no rope uh, you know that is all no mind can play there right and that is where the hand holding of a guru is so important uh and he would customize it to the way you would grasp that understanding um yeah and that to me is is is, is that is where i think also the the friendliness of the guru is important uh, in, in fact bhagavat uh, earlier sloka right krishna says that hey you are my friend you are my devotee so i am revealing the secret to you um if you don't if that relationship does not have that friendliness in it a lot of times you will run away from the guru right i've seen that happen to a lot of my like you know people around me too right because it is so bizarre some sometimes what he's saying or the state that he's saying hey i see a rope i see a snake what are you talking right and he will say there's neither snope nor there's no there's neither a snope nor there's so nothing to be afraid of right uh, that jump uh, is is uh, very subtle and that means hand holding and to me that's kind of the the biggest place where the guru Uh, will handhold you uh, i mean guru as as a tatva or as a principal will handhold you that space it's just a comment you know, so. thank you thank you yeah the the snake and rope example just reminded me we, we were reading uh, listening to swami p's lecture on ishavasya uh, upanishad last week and in that in the context of gyan yoga he talks about he says the ignorant people see the rope as snake and the wise people see the snake as rope so basically that you know the jagat mithya uh, kind of um concept yeah so uh, we have to get there maybe <laughs> from seeing uh, you know a rope as snake to seeing even a snake as a rope yeah yeah and and what, what you know since we're talking about gurus knowledge and how to get there i uh, remember this beautiful analogy from uh, bhagavatam that i'm currently reading so i'm going to combine two things and i'm going to hopefully state it in the right way so let's try it so it says that in the bhagavatam it says that uh, uh, ima- imagine a a, a small uh, uh, lamp lamp of oil which has got a you know the standard lamp that we have right which has got the wick and then Uh, and then you light it so the guru is that uh, the person who lights that uh, light of knowledge in that thing but then the wick is attached to the uh, the ghee or oil or whatever and that is the how fast the wick burns depends on how much vasanas how much karma what we have that's the oil within that thing. but the point is once it is lit it will burn for sure it will burn it will take time it will burn and as long as it's connected to the particular vasanas it will burn um, and if when when and and that wick that wick will keep burning only as long as the particular oil is there in the particular thing so once that oil is gone 
the wick is no longer there the the uh, the the uh, the lamp is no no longer burning that doesn't mean that you know something has ex ex extinguished or gone away it's just that nana has consumed everything just one more thing about guru is uh, yeah no very you know good points raised just another thing is uh, guru brings the conviction because when you when you see somebody so convinced it drops on you as well so because i think why even after studying chapter 2 we we don't get it so they say there are two reasons one is asambhavana we don't believe we don't believe it at core of our heart that it's possible that we are that atman which is not destroyed and then the second is viprit bhavana viprit bhavana is that contrary to what is correct that this world is real so these two things are these two things need to be removed for us to have that uh, so called realization or or you know to feel it so uh, a guru helps you see that it is possible at least that part becomes you get convinced by it, you know, that part at least so then it's more of the viprit bhavana working that's required but alpana i'll also add one more thing then the self effort is also required you know asambhavana viprit bhavana is okay but then if we don't have that self effort to make the change within ourselves i don't think that we will ever get there so for removing the asambhavana you need the self effort right correct correct yeah yeah absolutely i mean that that's where we need to work upon yeah. but at least for the conviction it does bring a lot of conviction if you see somebody who's enlightened or you meet somebody that it's possibility what a sambhavana ke liye to kaam karna padega <laughs> yeah agreed agreed alpana right well said actually and and you know to sometimes you know the removing that um, the, the second thing you said the word you said that's where the guru sometimes will take very unconventional methods right couple of examples i can give i mean that is where the trust implicit you know the falling in love with the guru is important in the relationship like in the case of ramakrishna even though he had um, kali as a guru but if you know is if you read his history right towards end um i forget is that another master who comes and he totapuri totapuri right so yeah totapuri thank you totapuri comes and the technique is uh, totapuri clearly sees him as like you know he needs one more poke right he's almost at the word but not there and then very the way he does it is he um he takes he actually he's trying to tell him to go beyond mother kali right because kali getting stuck in mother kali is also a limitation it's not the ultimate and and then ramakrishna always gets stops right there right he'll go and then stop there there's a beautiful you can read about it then what he does is they're sitting in the in the lake front there's a bottle lying there he breaks it and then he pokes it in his third eye right literally he just literally pokes yeah in the third eye in the between the eyebrows um what it does i mean if you look at from outside you think oh crude this guy is trying to kill ramakrishna right but again the the relationship is so beautiful and and ramakrishna just allows it to happen this he, he shouts in pain but as part of the process he sees the kali's image is breaking away in his inside inner being right and then it suddenly he's moving on to the the, the, the stateless uh, uh formless state right that's kind of one Nirvikal. one example yeah yeah nilukal prasamadi right so but again the point i'm making is like this is where the uh, gurus the hand holding you know the gray areas i'm talking about right as an example 
the other example i can jump to me is you know if you look at krishna's life there's an incident on the raslila night right they all take all the gopikas are taking bath and then yeah, he steals the clothes and he asks them to stand up uh, naked right so a lot of lot of pervert interpretations of that happens today but if you um, the, this deeper understanding there is you know a lot of the gopikas are or were very close to enlightenment they were just stuck in i am the female identity right i am the body i am a female identity so what he krishna is a technique there as a master he saying you get up right he's even though he was a like young boy uh, you know a lot of you know he's just playing with the conditioning right he's trying to break the conditioning you know i am a female and the body and and um, i think somewhere in one of the uh, put bhagavatam says that you know out of that what are 16 17 gopikas i think uh, one or two did not get up all the other they got up but they never landed back in the earth uh, right basically they just liberated again this is where i think the the guru relationship becomes very subtle right uh, and to me that's where those gray areas where uh, where the guru will play a bigger role and and for him to play that with you you need that uh, you know that relationship needs to blossom right this uh, that's important you know the, the guru as a human being and the guru tattva both needs to come together there because if you don't if you think that he is a human being uh, then he some of the leelas that he can play in a subtle way you will stop it or you will judge him and run away uh, so that's why it's, it's a very beautiful I mean, very nuanced relationship is be my experience with the guru so just want to share it wonderful thank you muku we are out of time 2 minutes past 7:30 already so uh, just a quick uh, 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 closure on 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 this chapter now i think next week we will be concluding chapter 4 so we will finish from 38 to the end of the chapter and uh, the following week uh, you know we will do a revision as usual and uh, you know maybe i guess it's uh, less than 5 minutes per person or 3 minutes depending on how many of us are are there on that day so uh, the format is the same like what we did the chapter 3 unless you any one of you want to change the format do you have any suggestions we can change that okay good with the 3 or 5 minute uh, uh, talk or presentation so muku to clarify you, you can you, you can have slides next time also you were wondering okay. that you prepared slides last time so you can still have slides okay all right so with that uh, let's stay since say concluding prayer o sarve bhavantu sukhinah sarve santu niramayah sarve bhadrani pasyantu ma kaschid dukha bhaga bhavet ओम शांति 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 श्री गुरुभ्यो नमः हरि ओम थैंक्स एवरीवन एंजॉय योर ग्रेट थैंक यू थैंक यू हरि ओम थैंक यू बाय